It is 11.30 here on this Friday, which means it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli with you. Thanks for choosing the rural voice of Nebraska to be a part of your day, wherever you may be listening. And however, we appreciate you tuning in. Good show coming up uh, to end this week, the first full week of October. Of course, it's going to be the warmest day of the week so far. Should be another solid weekend, uh, whether you're going to be calving or if you're out harvesting, of course. We'll get more on the regional ag weather update coming up in about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins. Of course, we'll hear from Jason Jorgensen. Busy night for high school football, football this weekend, and volleyball as well. And Ellen is sitting in for Bob Rogan, and she'll tell us how stocks are doing so far to end the week. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield, as we usually do, to get things rolling. Susan, what do you have for us? Well, thanks so much. Harvest is underway crazy around here, which is so nice to hear the combines moving. And that brings us to what the 1219 is going to be all about. Of course, checking out what's going to happen weather-wise, what's in store for us as we continue with the harvest. Then coming up at 1245, the month of October just so happens to be co-op month and we're uh, celebrating and catching up with rocky weber with the nebraska cooperative council bryce will be bringing you that and it is our final fnbo fridays in the field for the season and we're wrapping it all up with chad as he takes us to the northeast part of nebraska to talk harvest with his farmer that's what's coming up on the midday from the farm team all right good stuff thank you very much susan we appreciate it uh busy busy week for everybody including jason jorgensen in sports Jason, what do you have for us? Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, coming up in sports, we'll talk about the Nebraska-Michigan game. One of the side stories tomorrow night certainly is the matchup between Nebraska coach Scott Frost and Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. Each former star quarterbacks at those schools who, to this point, have not been able to live up to the expectations. There's a lot of hype, of course, for each of those two when they came back to take over those football programs. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Scott Frost about what it's like to coach at your alma mater. Also, we'll talk about UNK's big homecoming game tomorrow against Missouri Western. Lopers in bounce-back mode for the first time this season following that tough loss last week on the road at Fort Hayes State when they lost a 21-point lead late in the third quarter. And we'll talk Major League Baseball. Gigantic day for playoff action with four games on tap this afternoon and tonight. So all of that and much more straight ahead next hour on Midday. All right, thank you very much, Jason. Appreciate that. Uh, and love playoff baseball. I think four games a day couldn't be any happier. Let's turn things over to Alan Simmons, who is sitting in for Bob Brogan. Most of the crew, by the way, the reason why we have some of these things working the way up they are right now, uh, because, again, as I mentioned about 15 minutes ago, Dave Thorell, our own Dave Thorell, being honored as uh, one of the uh, the 10 distinguished alumni for UNK. So a big honor for him. Congratulations to him and kind of probably overdue. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Something that uh, <laughs> should have maybe done a long time ago, but either way, glad that he is being honored, part of the UNK festivities, but uh, good stuff there. So with that being said, that's why Bob isn't here. Jason's not here. It's now Ellen and I here with you. Ellen, how are, uh, what's the business report going to have for us? Well, U.S. stocks are mixed in jumbled trading today after a week jobs report which that jobs report is the big uh, is the big story today. Uh, the S&P 500 was virtually unchanged in midday trading after government data showed far fewer jobs. Uh, that being said, U.S. employers added just 194,000 non-farm payroll jobs in September, falling far short of the 475K expected by analysts, a second straight tepid game. All right. 
from Paul Perkins. I'm Paul Perkins with the check of your ag weather. Tomorrow's temperatures will once again be about 10 to 15 degrees warmer than normal. Cloud cover on the increase for tonight through tomorrow with the approach of weak low pressure and a cold front. The cold front tomorrow night knocking our temperatures back to seasonal levels for Sunday into Tuesday. Some light rain is possible with that area of low pressure Sunday night into Monday, especially towards eastern areas. The main area of low pressure to watch will bring wind, rain, and much cooler temperatures. Wind gusts of 45 or greater are possible for Tuesday into Wednesday. A widespread shield of rain and some thunderstorms is likely Tuesday night through Wednesday. The Weather Prediction Center of the National Weather Service currently indicating total rain amounts between now and next Friday will range between a half inch to an inch, slightly lower amounts over western Kansas. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal the mid to late part of next week. Warmer than normal temperatures return by next weekend through October 21st. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas near normal to slightly above normal the mid to late part of next week before a trend to near normal to slightly below normal rainfall by next weekend through the 21st. Key weather factors impacting the markets include a series of three rain chances set to move through the middle of the U.S. and a mix of weather conditions in South America. A trio of weather systems will result in rainy weather across a broad area in the next five days. Through tomorrow, rain with the first system will spread into the north central U.S. Sunday and Monday, the second storm should deliver scattered rain from the central and southern plains into the Midwest. Early next week, the third and strongest storm will cross the central plains. Weather with the third system may include severe thunderstorms along a cold front and high winds across the plains and western Corn Belt. Soil moisture should increase for winter wheat, but harvest delays will be possible. Heavy rain across the northern plains could keep producers out of the fields for a while. Some winter wheat areas of the southern plains, though, will be missed. There's a mix of rain in Brazil. Heavier rain continues over southern Brazil, while isolated lighter rain falls across central Brazil. Rain may increase over central areas and favor planting of full-season corn and soybeans. Brazil's reproductive to filling winter wheat continues to have mostly favorable conditions. I'm Paul Perkins. That's a check. Ag.com. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer. It is time for our weekly update with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. Al, we had a great week of harvest weather here this week, but it looks like things are going to turn going into next week. Give us the summary, Al. Well, Chad, I think that you're pretty correct on that. And we do have one trough to deal with this weekend, and it does appear that Nebraska, for the most part, looks like it's going to get caught between the two pieces of energy from that trough out of the Rocky Mountain Central Northern Rockies as we go through the next 24 to 36 hours. The interesting thing about this trough is it pushes through eastern Nebraska as we go into tomorrow afternoon, depending on timing, will make a difference in our highs if we make it up to that 90 degree mark across the southern border or if the clouds impede that somewhat. But we should see a warm day tomorrow as well as today. And then as we go into Sunday, the energy that moves across the northern Rockies is going to kind of split off somewhat as it moves toward the Great Lakes. And on the southern end of that trough, we'll see redevelopment. And that is expected as we go into Sunday night and in through Monday, move up toward the northeast. So there is the opportunity for at least some precipitation across extreme southeastern Nebraska. If this system lifts a little bit farther toward the north, that area, particularly from Omaha, Lincoln, over to Geneva, has the best shot. But right now, I would say the Fall City, uh, Pawnee City, 
Auburn region is probably the best locations for receiving any significant moisture. We see a cool down as we go through Sunday, and that will continue into Monday. We'll be back closer to normal, but we'll still be a couple degrees above normal, basically low 70s. A brief warm-up as the next trough pushes in, and it's that trough that's going to eject all of these other troughs to the east and weaken them. And that system starts to really wind up over the Intermountain region of the Central Rockies as we go into uh, Monday night into Tuesday, and then it will start to make its way and push eastward. So we should start seeing an increase in cloud cover across the western part of the state, probably start to see some showers break out. And then as we go into the day uh, Wednesday, that system starts to move and eject out toward the central and northern plains. And the biggest question right now is, is there going to be enough cold air on the backside of this system to generate accumulating snowfall? And for our folks out in the panhandle, I'd be watching the system very closely. It wouldn't surprise me. We'll see some updates if we can get enough cold air in where there'll be some accumulating snowfall. It wouldn't surprise me. We'll see part of the western half of the panhandle get some accumulating snowfall as temperatures on Wednesday out in that region, and particularly also on Thursday, will be primarily in the upper 30s to the lower 40s, and we'll be pushing close to the freezing mark during the during the nighttime hours. Farther eastward, it's a question of where did we see some severe weather develop, and it does look like there's a potential for severe weather. And right now, I'd say north central through central Nebraska has the best opportunity, and then that system will blow by us as we get into Thursday, and we'll remain in that cooler air until we start to see the ridge from the west build in as we go into next week and return closer to normal temperatures. So it does look like a very widespread precipitation amount and the heavy rainfall may be problematic in terms of harvest activity because I don't know how much drying we're going to get before the next system that's coming into the Gulf of Alaska drives a high pressure ridge up into the Arctic Circle region and the potential from the GFS model standpoint is that we'll see a cold air infiltration as it comes down the front side of that ridge and that pushes into our region right right now between the 19th and the 20th and if it does verify out as previously the last 24 hours have been showing, we're going to see a season-ending freeze across the entire the western, central, and most likely eastern Corn Belt. All right, very interesting. We'll continue to follow and watch the data. Thank you so much, Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher, and our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting. Finberg. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska hosts Michigan tomorrow night when the Huskers look for a signature win under head coach Scott Frost. One of the main storylines is that both Frost and Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh are still trying to get their alma maters back to prominence. Frost says coaching where you played is different. You know, you want to win everywhere. You probably take it a little more personal one way or the other at home. Uh, things get a little more personal. You know, there's nowhere where I would probably despise losing more than here uh it's harder to handle here but it's also don't know if i'd ever enjoy wins as much somewhere else as i do here kickoff tomorrow night is set for 6 30 you can hear the game on 880 krvn 106.9 in and 98.5 in grand island it's the first time in nine years that the wolverines have played in lincoln unk hosts missouri western tomorrow for homecoming the lopers are still stinging from losing a 21 point lead late in the second half last week against hayes head coach josh lynn says they have to put that one in the rearview mirror absolutely i mean we gotta move on i mean we got a good football team and uh you know i got a good group and uh, you know they it hurts just to them it's just 
just as does me, and, and we just, uh, you know, we need to put this one to bed and shake it off and get back to work here. Kickoff is set for two. We'll bring you the game tomorrow on 93.1 The River and 106.9. The 10th-ranked Nebraska volleyball team makes the trek to the East Coast tonight, taking on 13th-ranked Penn State. First serve is set for six in that one. And a tough one for the UNK volleyball squad. They're on the road at Central Missouri tonight. The Jennies are ranked in the top ten. That one starts at six. Big night in Carney. The Tri-City Storm hosts the Waterloo Blackhawks tonight at the Viero Center for the 22nd home opener in organization history. Storm rolls into this one, tied for first place in the USHL's Western Conference standings. Big day for playoff baseball in the American League. The first game has the White Sox against Houston. That one starts a little after 2. Over to the National League, Atlanta opens up against Milwaukee. That one's scheduled to start shortly after 3.30. Then the games tonight, Boston to Tampa Bay, then the Dodgers against San Francisco. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. This is Greg Sharp. Nebraska football hosts the Wolverines of Michigan. Saturday, listen to every play on 106.9 FM Kearney, 98.5 FM Grand Island, and 880 KRVN. The Lexington Planning Commission held a public hearing during their meeting on Wednesday, October 6th, to consider a subdivision application. The proposed subdivision is the Otto House Second Subdivision, located on the corner of Cattleman's Drive and Highway 283. It was discussed that the plat would be split into six different lots with a public access street coming off of Highway 283. Lexington City Manager Joe Peplish says the intention for the lot is commercial-type properties. Two other public hearings were held during the meetings, as well to consider subdivision applications for the proposed Northwest 7th edition, which includes West 18th and Erie, and Northwest 9th edition located on 20th Street. A Taliban police official says at least 100 people have been killed or wounded in a mosque explosion targeting Shiite Muslims in northern Afghanistan. The officials say the majority of them have been killed in reference to the victims. There was no immediate claim for the blast today in the city of Kunduz, the provincial capital of Kunduz province, but Islamic State militants have a long history of attacking Afghanistan's Shiite minority. If confirmed, a death toll of dozens would be the highest since U.S. and NATO forces left Afghanistan at the end of August and the Taliban took control of the country. A longtime member of the Nebraska Board of Education has announced her resignation from the board, citing undisclosed health reasons. State officials announced today that 74-year-old Patricia Tim of Beatrice is leaving the board after 17 years. Tim was first appointed to represent a large southeastern segment of the state in 2004. Before joining the state board, Tim had served on the Beatrice School Board for 16 years. She is a retired kindergarten and art teacher, and Governor Pete Ricketts will appoint a new board member to represent District 5 for the remainder of Tim's term, which expires in January of 2023. Two Rivers Public Health updated the weekly risk dial yesterday, and the risk dial remains in the red pandemic level of risk. Factors contributing to the risk dial include 292 cases of COVID-19 were recorded in Two Rivers Public Health between September 29th through October 5th. Weekly cases across Two Rivers dropped to zero in mid-June. Since then, about 2,700 positive tests have been detected across Two Rivers 
Over a third of those were reported in the past three weeks. There are 23 adult COVID-related hospitalizations currently across Two Rivers Public Health Department. Starting October 11th, a new public COVID testing site will be open in Kearney City at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds. Testing results will be available the same day and are offered Mondays and Wednesdays. 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. As of October 5th, 45% of Two Rivers' total population and almost 57% of the adult population has been fully vaccinated. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen. And Island. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined by Rocky Weber, the President and General Counsel for the Nebraska Cooperative Council. Rocky, always good to see you as we celebrate October as Co-op Month. Talk about this month-long celebration and what it means to you guys. Well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty important recognition by Governor Ricketson and also on a national level of the just a pervasive role that cooperatives play in everybody's lives. You know, Bryce, I was talking to one of my members this morning, and he said, you know, I don't know if, we, if people realize just how large a footprint Nebraska's agricultural cooperatives have across the state of Nebraska, how many producers are involved in things of that nature. We have about 64,000 voting farmer-rancher members of cooperatives in Nebraska today. They employ about 5,300 people statewide, and last year's payroll was about $370 million, mostly in rural areas. This is a major economic impact for those in the state of Nebraska. It's a big economic uh, footprint that the co-ops have, but it's also an important service to those out across Nebraska, not just the rural areas, but the metro areas, too. Talk about that and the vital service that these co-ops provide. Well, you know, first of all, jobs and employment. Um, And and these aren't jobs. We have the operations jobs that are very important and and must be done, but we have jobs in in human resources, in marketing, in high-technology-type fields in um, communications, uh, finance. We have great jobs available all over the state. Uh, Our cooperatives are big businesses. Some of these businesses, Bryce, have over a billion dollars worth of sales and over a thousand employees. And so these are big sophisticated businesses and offer great opportunities uh, across Nebraska. You know, we contribute to to the whole economy in the state of Nebraska had about $6.3 billion worth of sales uh, over the last fiscal year. And so, again, when you look at that, just everything that's going on. Another thing I, I, I found exciting this, this uh, week, for the first time, one of our cooperatives told me that they were operating an autonomous dry fertilizer spreader. Wow. And that's the first one they know of operating in Nebraska on a commercial basis. And, and they're kind of testing it and making sure, see how it's going to work. But, but uh, autonomous equipment and those kinds of things are going to revolutionize agriculture in the next decade. Talk about the opportunities you see. You mentioned the autonomous tractors and driving innovation out there across Nebraska. But where do you see opportunity for these co-ops moving forward? Well, I, I really think that they are going to become the link between the farmer in the food chain and the ultimate uh, food companies. Um, you know, we don't always think about the row crop farmers and stuff having an impact really in the food chain, but they have a critical impact in the food chain. Consumers more and more are driving the kind of food they want to eat, and so there are big efforts in, in the economy to make sure that farm practices in growing crops and livestock both, and hogs, cattle, whatever, um, that, that all these practices are economically um, feasible, are sustainable from an environmental standpoint, uh, the good practices and good husbandry is done, the water's conserved, fertilizers are conserved, all of those things. And cooperatives really are, are putting themselves in that 
point of being the point of contact with the food companies and, and making sure that the farmers are going to be raising and growing crops in a way that the purchasers want them grown. And, and, and that information chain from the farmer who's the, in control of the information on his or her farm through to the food companies, there has to be uh, in, in that process steps along the way where the cooperatives, certainly as farmer-owned entities, should be able to aggregate and be able to um, be a, a part of that process between the farmer and the ultimate consumer. When we talk about cooperatives here in Nebraska, a lot of our viewers and listeners will just think, well, think of that, the local one of their community that mainly focuses on agriculture, but cooperatives are diverse across the state too. Oh, absolutely, Bryce. We have, we have food co-ops, we have grocery store co-ops. You know, there are many small communities in, in Nebraska over the years that have lost their grocery store. And in many communities, I would say at least a dozen by now, uh, the townsfolks in those communities have said it's important to have a grocery store. How can we form one? They've looked to the cooperative business model as a way of raising the capital and, and having public ownership of that grocery store. So we have grocery stores now serving small communities where otherwise there might not have been. Um, but there's a lot of diversity in terms of opportunity too. You know, we have interns, probably about 200 to 300 interns across the state of Nebraska every year. These interns are some international students come from all over the world and intern with Nebraska Farm Rural Cooperatives and, and interact with our rural communities and, and the people in the cooperatives. And that's just been a tremendous uh, benefit uh, to our cooperative system. Rocky, appreciate you coming in today. Final thoughts from you. Anything else you'd like to add as we celebrate Co-op Month? Well, again, I think that I appreciate Governor Ricketts making the proclamation. Um, it's important that Nebraskans understand how important it is to have locally owned, uh, farmer owned businesses have these footprints in their communities. 401 communities in the state of Nebraska have a co-op presence today. Rocky Weber from the Nebraska Cooperative Council joining us in the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. U.S. employers added just 194,000 jobs in September, a second straight month of tepid gains. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. The report from the Labor Department also showed that the unemployment rate fell sharply to 4.8% from 5.2% in August. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh offers his explanation for the low number of jobs created last month. There's a, a lot going on in the economy. We're still uh, dealing with a pandemic. Uh, we're still dealing with the, the Delta variant. Economists were predicting nearly 500,000 jobs being created in September. The jobs report thudded onto Wall Street and raised questions about whether the Federal Reserve will change its timeline to pare back its support for markets. Google will no longer allow digital ads promoting false climate change claims to appear next to the content of other publishers, hoping to deny money to those making such claims and to stop the spread of misinformation on its platform. The company saying yesterday in a blog post, that it was rolling out a new policy that will also apply to YouTube, which last week announced a sweeping crackdown of vaccine misinformation. Ireland has agreed to join an international agreement establishing a minimum corporate tax of 15% around the world, ditching the low-tax policy that has led companies like Google and Facebook to base their European operations in the country. The Irish government initially refused to join the agreement, but it said Thursday it would join the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development's Global Minimum Tax Accord after compromises that will protect the country's 
economic interests. A 12.5% corporate tax rate has been a cornerstone of Ireland's economic policy since 2003. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm... with you on the Rural Radio Network and it is time for our Fridays in the Field segment again in northeast Nebraska near Pierce and it is our last update for the season brought to you by FNBO the Great Big Small Bank. Again we're visiting with Aaron Zimmerman from Pierce Nebraska organic farmer here in the northeast part of the state. Well the last four weeks or so how are these organic crops uh, finishing out the season? What have you had to kind of deal with here the last four weeks? Well last four weeks has been uh, well finishing up irrigation of course it finished out hot and dry uh, uh, we did have another big gully washer of about five inches, uh, so apparently that's the only way it comes this year. Uh, now we kind of moved harvest up a little bit because we've got some standability issues that we need to we need to get the corn in the bin. All right, so tell me about that. Those last few weeks here, what kind of caused those standability issues? You know, I think it's a few things uh, residual from the wind and the hail that we had earlier in the season. Uh, we do have some insects that are trying to knock our plants over, so. We're getting her taken out. Yep. You and I had talked in prior sessions about that uh, experiment that you did on the soybeans with weed control and kind of a heavy seeding of rye. Now that the soybeans are out, what's the take-home message on that? We're going to go more wide-scale next year because it turned out really, really well. It actually tied with our best yields we ever had done conventionally. So we're going to do more next year because I think we feel comfortable enough we can we can go more, more wide-scale about it. You know, I think we need to time our, our couple of rotary hoe passes well, maybe a little bit differently uh, so we don't don't thin out the soybeans quite as much. So uh, how about soybean yields? I know last time we talked, too, there was a, a pretty heavy rainstorm that came through. You had some hail on some of your fields. Uh, did the soybeans end up yielding what you thought they should? They yielded way better than we thought they should. I was kind of thinking if we, if we could do 40, I'd be tickled. We ended up doing 66, so we're thrilled. Uh, Aaron, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the corn harvest. What's the corn look like so far, early in the harvest season? So far, it, it's okay. We were expecting we were not going to have the yields we had last year coming out of alfalfa because it, you just have that alfalfa credit. So it's okay. Could it be better? Yeah, but we, we could have done with maybe a foot less of rain you know, altogether. So, uh, you know, by and large, it's okay. You know, there's good premiums and organic, so it works. What are yields looking like? Uh, how far off would you say are the, from what your goal was at the beginning of the season? We're probably off 30%, I suppose, at least. So, but you know, we're, we can sell it for nine, 10 bucks. It's, it's okay. We were talking about uh, the strategy in harvesting corn, uh, because of some of those standability issues that you talked about before. It, it does require some drying in your, in your system, huh? Yes, it does. So, you know, with, with the standability issues we have right now, we're, we're deciding to take it early. We have a continuous flow grain dryer, so we're definitely going to utilize that. You know, right now we're harvesting about, I think the average is about 24%, so anywhere from 22 to 27, 28. But, you know, that 23, 24 catches most of it. Uh, run it through the dryer, cool it, put it in the bin where it's safe. And if you had your way, uh, how long would it take you to get through harvest, do you think? I think four weeks. Four weeks we should have it wrapped up barring any uh, catastrophes with breakdowns or weather. Anything else that you've kind of learned this year? Maybe some management changes for next year? Yeah, corn on corn stuff. I mean, it, it's tough even conventionals, and it's probably even tougher in organics. Don't recommend it. It takes an extra step of, of nitrogen management, but you're really limited because you can't spoon feed it on like you can with conventionals, whether it's UAN through the pivot as the season goes. So, you know, th there's, there's always going to be times when we're going to have to maybe insert 
you know, a second year of corn on a particular quarter just to try to get our rotation the way we want it. But we, there's uh, some other products we can use to maybe divvy up that nitrogen application and, and make it work. Again, we've been visiting with Aaron Zimmerman. He is from Pierce, Nebraska, organic farmer in the northeast part of the state. As we wrap up our Fridays in the Field segment here on the Rural Radio Network, again brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Chad Moyer reporting. Landmark difference. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a check at this closing grain trade now with John Payne, marketing analyst for StoneX and publisher of the Daily Newsletter, This Weekend Grain. John, a lot of red on the screen coming into a Friday. Did we just kind of take some profit out of this market, or was there some true substantial reason to push it lower on Friday? So, John, was there reason to take profit out of the market on Friday, or was there other fundamentals at play kind of feeding the bear? Oh, it was low volume today. I mean, at, at one point, oh, two hours ago, you kind of look up and say, are we, are we moving at all? I think, uh, you, you know, harvest weekend, there, there tends to be a little softness before the close on Friday just to get ahead of sales that will be made over the weekend. Probably can be blame on it. Um, but at this point in time, I, you know, until we can figure out what the corn and bean crop looks like, and we will to a certain degree next week. We'll probably have some difficult time getting upward momentum, but that report will pass. You know, just like the last three, four USDA reports really haven't driven the, the, the price action much. I don't think this one will either, and I actually think once it's behind us, you start to price in the numbers for soybeans. Uh, you know, we look forward and, and you know, probably see problems with some sort of weather issue in South America. Uh, whether it results in anything will be, uh, you know, that'll be up for debate. But in the short run here, I, I just think you look at the price of oats, Price of wheat. Um, those two two markets here pointing towards higher prices, at least for corn. And the corn market supported. You know, talking about weather issues, does look like some equatorial Pacific waters are still cooling uh, down, kind of indicating another La Nina scenario. Is it too early to be thinking about that, or is that something to keep an eye on? Well, it's it's more of like from a trade perspective. What this is a shoulder time of the year. You know, we're planting in Brazil, and we have a crop on the ground in the U.S., so I kind of like flooding. You know, I gave the market two up in arms about uh, you know, weather. So I think that's a possibility, and that's where you kind of look at this from a perspective of like a game of poker. That card hasn't been dealt yet, and that could drive the market higher. And I certainly think the numbers right now have priced a pretty good scenario for the flow. South America's numbers being massive corn or for soybeans. I think, um, you know, with corn, the numbers are almost laughable because they put essentially, for every acre of soybean, they're averaging, they're going to add an acre of corn as well because they're going to chase it with corn. That, that may bite them in the, in the yield uh, in the long run, I would think. And I would definitely be assuming whether problems will pop up along the way. So, and while we all in the, in the trade like to write down big, massive numbers, you can back that growing. Uh, it's not a perfect a perfect process, and I think you got to anticipate some rally along the way. That is John Payne, marketing analyst for StoneX. Learn more at StoneX.com. Do remember, though, trading future adoption involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you, Clay. Appreciate that. That wraps up midday here on this Friday. Of course, catch the midday podcast. That'll be available later today or anytime earlier this week. That's will be available at KRV.